It's time to place your bets. Let's talk to the pros. Welcome in everybody to Betting Pros. It's me, Joey P, Joe P. Zapia, and today we're going to take a little tour of Tory Pines. That's right, because we've got some golf to talk about today, and we've got another major right on the precipice, and there's nobody better to talk about golf with than my good friend. He's back on the show. He's made time for us despite moving, despite figuring out his new studio. It's very difficult to be famous, but somehow... He always gets by, and the U.S. Open here is going to be broken down by our good pal, the one, the only, Pat Mayo. Pat, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? How's the how's the transitional studio life treating you these days? I don't like working from my house is the main thing that I figured out. When you have two kids running around, and my wife just thinks that now that I'm at home, that, you know, everything that, when I'm at the office, I'm working. Uh, and it doesn't feel that way when you work inside your house. Mm. As someone who works inside their house with two kids for their entire career, I can assure you I understand what you're talking about. Mine are older, though. You still got the little guys, so a little bit of a different scenario, a lot more needy. Mine are kind of off on their own doing their things. But someday you'll get there, someday. But yes, it's time to get to business, and you're right. Before I even do this, I, I just want to... It's been a while since we chatted, so I just want to get your take on the Phil Mickelson win of the PGA a couple weeks ago, because... That was certainly a crazy story. I don't think anybody saw coming. And I just wanted to kind of get your your feel for it. Was this good for golf in that sense that you got the the old standby name brand guy coming out of nowhere and winning that? Or was it bad in a way because, you know, we're still trying to manufacture stars at the same level of Phil Mickelson? Coming out of nowhere is never a good thing unless you're the most marketable star who's left in the game. That's not named Tiger Woods, but he's not in the game. Right. right now. So because it's Phil is actually a great thing for golf. The, the problem is when you watch the CBS coverage, like they could have been showing like nine or 10 guys who weren't necessarily going to win, but like someone like Harry Higgs, for example, one of the most could be marketable players, but no one knows who he is. He needed to finish inside the top five at the PGA championship in order to get a secure spot in the masters next year, a tournament, which he has never played and would not qualify for unless he won a tournament or he ended up elevating himself to a certain part of the world rankings, which he just probably isn't going to do. And he did qualify for the Masters, but the broadcast didn't even touch on it. We wanted to see Phil chewing gum walking down the fairway. I get that's how they've always done it, but when we talk about creating new stars, having Phil, like the ratings were through the roof because Phil was involved. It was like Tiger at the Masters. Tiger, oh my God, Tiger's in the lead at the Masters. Everyone is tuning into that. And that becomes the perfect recipe in order to create these new stars because if it's Brooks running away with it against like Brennan Grace, who was also up on the top of the leaderboard, like that's not a ratings draw by any means. Like people are familiar with Brooks, but no one really cares. People cared that Phil was going to win. So what the broadcast could have done was use that spotlight with all these new eyes tuning into the PGA Championship to elevate some of your guys. Like Patrick Cantlay was making a run at it early on. Just guys yeah. that were moving themselves up the leaderboard that are the future stars of the PGA Tour. They just CBS was like, screw it. We don't want to give you any playing time. Sorry. I think that's a phenomenal point, and I think it's a huge miss by then. You're absolutely right. Uh, and, you know, just for fun, we'll get this out of the way. Phil's anywhere from 50 to 70 to 1. Can the old man do it again? I, no. I know you're shaking your head. I'm just throwing it out there because people are going to ask. They're going to ask me that question when they when you do the show. Ask Pat if he thinks Phil has one more in him because he's played well this year. I mean, I didn't think he had one more in him when he won last time. So <laughs> what do I know? But the fact that he was 300 to one 
to win the PGA Championship was probably an accurate reflection of his odds. The fact that he's between 50 and 70 to 1, like there's real players who are between 70 and 50 to 1. Like Phil should be 300 to 1 again. All right. Well, let, let's get into the U.S. Open here and some of the odds and some of the people that are clearly at the top of those odds. Uh, John Rahm, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, kind of usual suspects up at the top. Uh, you're getting uh, Rahm somewhere around uh, plus 1050, like over on DraftKings. Bryson DeChambeau at plus 1500. Same with Dustin Johnson. There's a few other guys towards this top. Kepka's up around that area as well. So in your opinion, when you look at the top, if you wanted to go ahead and bet winners, and I know we've talked a lot about throwing different things out there and how to make money doing this, but let's start with the winners. Is there a favorite with this course, in your opinion, and how it plays for the style of golfer that we have here towards the top of this uh, these wagering lines? Well, it's funny. When you think about all the guys, and even essentially inside the top 10, of the highest odds for the lowest odds players or highest odds players. Yes, that, that's the proper terminology. Swamp <laughs> bombers at U.S. Open right. style tracks. With the way that they have the USGA has set up these courses over the past five years, just it's driving distance, driving distance, driving distance. Spieth won in 2015 at Chambers Bay, but the next nine guys on the leaderboard were all dominating in terms of driving distance. So you have your outliers. And Spieth is someone who can accomplish that. Patrick Reed, Webb Simpson, I think all fall into that category as they are good enough. Justin Thomas, even at the same time as well, that they're so well-rounded at the other parts of their game that they can most definitely win. It's just their path to victory is so much more difficult than the guys that average 325-plus off the tee. So I'm just crossing those guys off. The, the path is too hard for them, especially if one of the Bombers actually plays well, then they're going to win. I don't like Rom's odds, especially coming off of COVID. Uh, it's, of course, where he's won before, obviously, but he's never won a major. He has one top 10 at, sorry, two top 10s at U.S. Opens, but not a great track record overall. And he is the bed prohibitive betting favorite. Then you drop down to Dustin, who's not playing well. All right, we're going to cross him off because you can only take one or two of these guys at the top if that's how you right. want to bet this week. So it really boils down to three guys for me, Rory, Brooks, and Bryson. Two of those three guys are how you should attack this week. On DraftKings, where I am playing multiple lineups, all my lineups will probably start with two of those three guys and rotate them through. Obviously, in the betting market, you can't really do that. I've already bet on Brooks at 18 to 1. I just think he is most suited for all U.S. Opens. Just look at his track record at the last three. Win, win second. It's somewhat telling that he thrives under these conditions. He missed the cut last week at the Palmetto Championship, but it had nothing to do with his driving or his irons. He couldn't chip or putt. Usually a sign of Brooks not caring how he finishes in a tournament. So realistically, just better news. He didn't have to stick around the weekend. He got over to San Diego. He's acclimated with the time zone. He can get some reps in at the course, and he's striking the ball as well as anyone right now. And when he decides to show up, he was injured at the Masters. I was on him then. And then it caused me not to take him at the PGA Championship, where he came second place. But just look at how he's done. PGA Championship, second. Uh, the WGC at concession earlier this year, second place. Uh, Phoenix earlier this year, first place. When he decides to show up, he is a legitimate threat to win every single time. And he is the fifth or sixth in the betting market right now. So Brooks is most definitely on the list in terms of betting. So that leaves me between Rory and Bryson. Now, normally I would just say Bryson. Let's go with Bryson. But Rory's number is down in the 20s. And I just... Maybe it's too big of a trap for me to fall into. I think Bryson is the safer play. I think Bryson has more win equity. But if they're separated by four points in terms of the betting market from like 1,600 to 
1,600 to 2,000. I mean, those four points are a lot with the amount that you have to bet on guys at the very top of the board. Like, it's not the same as someone being 66 to 1 to 70 to 1. The amount of your wager just isn't that high at 60 to 1 and 77 to 1 and things like that versus 16 to 1 and 20 to 1. That's that's a big boy wager if you're going to go in on them, especially if you're going to take two guys from the very top. So you need to trim it down. Uh, It's going to be Brooks for sure for me in the betting market and probably going to end up being Bryson. You can find him as deep as 19 to 1 in some spots, and that's probably the magic number for me with Bryson because I think, like Brooks, he is very well tailored to take on Torrey Pines and this complete rough and narrow fairway setup. And if you are looking for the best odds and some of the golfers that Pat's talking about, make sure you head over to Betting Pros and get the app as well. And you can see the different betting houses where you can get those best odds. So if those are the favorite guys, who are the ones that might be the long shots that might be fun to throw some chips on? Is it uh, some young guys like Victor Hovland, who seems like a a very well-liked fella these days? Is there some other young golfers that might really, you know, kind of take advantage of the moment here? Maybe they do hit those big long drives you're talking about that are the difference maker in this specific tournament that might be able to kind of carve out a niche. And if they have a good first day or two, all of a sudden they start to get a little bit momentum going into the weekend. I think that that entire like 20 to 40, 20 to one to 40 to one tier is very live to win this tournament. The issue is with how I've structured my betting card. If I'm going with Brooks and one of Rory and Bryson, I can't afford to have any of these guys. You can't just bet all the favorites. And even if they win, (laughs) you're going to lose money. And people don't seem to realize that when you structure a betting card for a golf event, it's not like football. These guys pay pretty deep odds in order to win, but you don't want to overload yourself at the top. So Xander, Cantlay, Hovland, Finau, Burger, they're all in this range. They're all more than capable of winning this event. They will not be making my betting sheet because I've gone with two guys around 20 to one. I need to go down the list. So Shane Lowry at 80 to one is actually the next guy on my betting card. Uh, we've seen him win an open championship. So he has that major experience. He's won most of his events in his career, whether it be in America or overseas at long, difficult courses. He just led the PGA championship and strokes gained off the tee. He's magic around the greens, the putter, you know, that comes and goes. That's why he's 80 to one. But his irons right now are firing at the best rate of his career on a consistent basis, even better than when he won the British Open two years ago. So I look at him, he has three top tens in his past four starts. This is the sort of lead in form that he had when he won over in Northern Ireland two years ago. I think that 80 to one is just too big of a number for a guy of this class. All right. So pivoting off of the winners and and obviously that is a much harder thing to do. Let's talk about finishing. Let's talk about top 20, top 30. Is that something you tend to put any investment into? Will you see opportunities where all of a sudden maybe you see somebody, uh, a good golfer that you really like that you think, you know what, they might play better than you think in this one. Maybe you can make some plus money on there because there's certainly like even on DK where you're talking about too. We just talked about Hovland being a plus 110 to finish in the top 20. Uh, the Shane Lowry is a plus 135. Uh, Hatton at plus 138. So there's a lot of, you know, folks around there in that range where maybe it's a little simpler, maybe less, um, less dangerous in terms of, well, it's all or nothing, but maybe you just get somebody that you think is going to play well enough to finish in the top 20 or 30. Is that a viable wager for folks who maybe don't want to put all their eggs into a winner basket? I mean, it's a cowardly way to play. <laughs> what do you really think, Pat? No, listen, yeah. no, just kidding. No, I'm, I'm throwing mean, it out there because that I think people look at that board and they go, oh, it's so hard to pick out the one winner. Maybe I do that, but I want to hedge and, and have some more skin in the game too and do some other things too. And that might be a way to maybe make back some of the money potentially too. Uh, Listen, I'm not opposed to top twenties or top tens. I do play them almost every single week, but I play them with long shots. I'm not looking to bet. Like if Victor Hovland's 25 to one to win, there's really no value in his top 20 with plus 125. Like, right. 
But as you're basically Only betting, if you put a big number down. Well, yeah, you have to put a big. It's you're essentially betting on a football game at that point, and that's not what I do. That's not how I like to bet on golf. If I'm going to be looking at, let's say, I'm looking at the top 30 market right now. What I prefer to do, but me being in Canada is a lot different than being in the United States. And we have, I mean, in Britain, it's even better, but we have placement wagers. So, for example, like I play a lot of each way betting on long shots. So there's a bunch of guys down the board that I really like this week. And it's essentially trying to grab their top eight. So that's the placement that's offered. So if I was to bet $20 on, let's say, Taylor Pendrith, who I really like this week, he's 500 to one to win this event. So if I bet $20 on him with the each way, what that means is that $10 would be allocated towards the 500 to one if he won. And then another $10 would be allocated towards his top eight, which is one fifth of the odds of the 500. So it would be 100 to one for him to come inside the top eight. Now, the reason that I do that is because I went and looked at his top 10 odds and his top 10 odds are 33 to one. So essentially, I'm losing two placement points, but gaining over triple the odds in terms of what it actually pays out. Plus, I still have the upside of him winning, which he's not going to win, but he could finish seventh or something like that. It would be out of the realm. So that's why I structure my bets that way. I think there's just more value to spread up your money instead of putting $20 on the 33 to one to win 600. If I go 10 and 10, I mean, if my guy wins, I win 5,000 bucks. If he comes inside the top eight, I win 500 bucks. So that's a better way for me to structure. At least in my mind, that's what I'm telling myself uh, is the way that I want to approach this. Because I do like that upside. Listen, I'm betting on golf for huge payouts. If I can hit a 500 to one winner, it can happen in golf. It's unlike any other sport in that way. So there's a bunch of guys down the list. If you just want to play top 10s or top 20s on them, I don't mind that. But I don't want to take a favorite at a top 20 because then you're just betting even money. Like you're, you're basically betting on a coin flip in terms of odds. And it's probably not even that good, especially at a course as difficult as Torrey Pines in a tournament setup as difficult as the U.S. Open. So if you're looking down the list, I would recommend Matt Wallace. And I have outright wagers on all these guys. So Matt Wallace at 150 to 1. Taylor Pendrith at 500 to one, Wyndham Clark at 750 to one, and Cameron Young at 300 to one are probably my four favorite guys from beyond 100 to one in the outright market. Now, if you want to play a top 30 on them, a top 20, bet them outright. You know, you can do with that with what you want. I played the outright win with the each way in the top eight finishing places on them. If one of those guys finishes inside the top eight, I'm going to make a lot of money this week, even if I lose every other bet. Now, talk to me about some of the other possible wagers, too. We've got, obviously, the groups. You've got, you know, there's so many things now. You can literally wager on everything. But you've got different setups where you've got tournament props. You've got make-miss cut. You've got all kinds of things you can get in on. What else, even for the novice wagerer going out there uh, this weekend and looking at uh, this tournament, do you think is a, is a good path where you say, you know what, this particular prop or this particular wager kind of makes sense to me with this player that you actually are high on as well that you would advise? Or is this something where you stay away, just focus on some of the things that you talked about, which is, hey, it's a big all or nothing kind of thing. That's the nature of the game. I tend to be an all or nothing type of better when it comes to golf, because when I win, I win really big. And when I lose, I get wiped out for the week. That's just the game that I like to play. If you want to hedge yourself and you you have $100 to invest, do I invest a little bit here, invest a little bit there? That's a perfectly reasonable way to go about it. It's just not the strategy that I end up taking. Uh, So if you were like looking at props, most of them like aren't lined properly. And I I hate to throw shade at, you know, my my favorite sports book in the world, drafting sports book. But I'm seeing Taylor Pendrith right now at plus 450 to be top Canadian. Uh, I bet him at plus 800 at another place uh, yesterday. And that number is still hanging out there. So, you know, shopping around, finding the best value. I think that's an actual value bet. Like Corey Connors 
in terms of the top Canadian market is like minus 120 or even minus 150 at some spots. And the way that you need to think about it is this is technically a four ball. It's one guy versus three other guys. And you'll see three balls get launched every single day. And almost no one is ever a minus 150. And now he has to beat three other people. He is not, he's better than these guys, but he's not significantly better to be a minus money favorite against three other players. I just see Pendrith. No one knows who he is. He plays on the Corn Ferry Tour, but he is a massive bomber. He is, he has great touch around the greens and he's pretty good putter. His irons are absolutely horrible. But he's played in two U.S. Opens in his life, the last two. He's made the cut in both. That's better than all the other Canadians, so why not? I love it. I love that you could bet guys from the countries, too. It's just it's just a fun thing to do. Uh, all right, so if that is the wagering side of things, let's switch gears a little bit and just touch on real quick the the DFS world of, of golf. And you have really taken us through. I know last time you were on a few weeks back, you really kind of took us through your thought process on that and how you approach that and, and the reasons why. So now with the mix of golfers, this specific course, the way you've laid it out, what does that roster construction, if you will, look like in your mind that you think these guys are good investments at the number they're at? Uh, essentially, what I did was go to fantasynational.com and I created my custom model within the site system. By the way, fantasynational.com slash Mayo for 20% off. Go try it out. If you Go try it out. Pat Mayo is giving you free coupons, guys. Go get it. Listen, you get a weekly membership to Fantasy National with a discount at seven bucks. Uh, you're probably nice. going to play far more than that in DraftKings lineups or betting this week. So you might as well have yeah. the best tools available to help you out. So I just put in the inputs that I wanted massively putting on driving distance with a bit of approach, a bit of putting, a bit of around the green, but really waiting driving distance and just went to the top and see who I wanted to get. Now, the very top players in the world, I mean, Spieth excluded, but you have Rom, DJ, Bryson, Rory, and Brooks. They all mash it off the tee. Xander does as well. Justin Thomas is a little bit behind him. So is Morikawa. He's more of a fairway finder than anything else. But I just decided Rory, Bryson, and Brooks are the best values they're the best price of those very top guys so i'm just going to mix and match with them where it really did help me was down the list that's how i end up on pendrith that's how i ended up on wyndham clark and how i ended up on cameron young another guy coming up from the corn ferry tours won twice on the corn ferry tour in the past month most people just don't know that and they're just down in the six thousand dollar area and you have to think about the construct of this tournament this is the hardest cut in golf to make there's 156 players in this tournament only the top 60 in ties are going to play the weekend. So if you can squeeze a six of six through with your very top end guys, and what, what have we seen at the U.S. Open? Outside of Gary Woodland, who fits the bomber mold, just not the elite bomber mold, it's been Brooks, it's been Bryson, it's been Spieth, it's been all of the best players who end up winning. So the more best players you can jam into a lineup, if you feel good at the very bottom end, is the approach that I want to take. I think you're going to see a lot of people play as balanced of a lineup as possible. And that could be the right path. This week, you could be looking at a situation where you start your teams with Xander at $9,300 and take Cantlay and take Finau and load up with guys in the high sevens or the mid eights. And that's just the way you roll it out. I think I'm going to be a bit more risky this week and go with two of my studs in the $10,000 range or Rory at 9.9, drop to Kokrak or Lowry in the mid sevens, and then take two guys in the sixes and see what I'm left over and try to construct a lineup that way. There you have it. He is the one, the only Pat Mayo. You follow him on Twitter at DPME. He's the host of the Pat Mayo Experience, and it's always a great experience to have Pat Mayo on the show. Pat, what's going on with you right now? What do you have cooking over at the Experience? Uh, every day golf for now, and then it quickly transitions back over into football. Uh, starting yeah. on Thursday, so Seely and I are going to be talking about the AFC West player-by-player player breakdown for fantasy 
for the upcoming season, plus all the future odds on the teams we've already done. NFC East, AFC East, and NFC West. So we're getting through all the divisions. I also have, if you check out my Twitter right now, at the PME, uh, I have giveaways for 50 Millionaire Maker tickets this week. So wow. you probably want to jump onto that. Uh, that expires Wednesday at noon Eastern. I am also doing a live chat at noon Eastern time on Mayo Media Network's YouTube page. If you do have fantasy golf questions for the U.S. Open. Uh, and I'm giving away some Scott Fishbowl entries, too. So you can check out my Twitter for that if you're keen on competing in the Scott Fishbowl this year. Well, I will be there. I will be part of the Scott Fishbowl like I am every year, and hopefully we'll get to talk some NFL. I always love coming on with you. I think last time it was Meany, myself, and you just having a, a crazy few hours of, uh, what, we record like four shows, I think, in one day, I think, something like that. So you could go on vacation, right? Huh? That, that is that is the Patman. It always seems like I am in the, the office, two shows every single day, but some days I sit there and record four in one day so I can take four days a day. <laughs> Well, anytime, baby. It's always a pleasure. And thank you for enlightening us with all the great content on the golf side today. Hope everybody enjoys the U.S. Open. And like Pat said, go over and follow him and go get some free stuff and use that code he talked about as well on the site. Again, at the PME is where you get all the information from Pat. Hit him up there on Twitter, too. He's always a great follow, not just for golf, but obviously for all the sports that he covers. Yes, yeah, yes, I'm not a good follow. You are a good follow in terms of content because you put out quality content. Not everybody has to ask stupid questions all the time. What do you think is going to be the best? Like, it's such Twitter fodder. Like, please make the algorithm go up so more people follow me. No, I need people like you who put out great content and then step away and go to lunch. That's what you do, and I appreciate it. I mean, I didn't even do that. I scheduled tweets for three days in advance and walk away. <laughs> I am essentially a spam account. <laughs> Oh, but again, when the content drops, it's good. So if you're giving good content, who cares? You know, it's, yeah. and, it's and nice. I, I answer people's questions too. I you do. do. You do. You Not do. Right. I, I do. Well, well, I again, we don't want to set the standard too high. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So that's Pat Mayo, everybody. Enjoy the golf this weekend. We'll be back again next time with more betting pros. I want to remind you to go over and download that app for betting pros and head to bettingpros.com so you get all of those consensus lines when you're looking at all the stuff for this weekend's action. That'll do it for me. We'll be back again next time. We'll see you next time, kids.